yeah. alive. <laughs> We've we're been just jumping off right the in. grid and we're still alive. Yes, we <laughs> So a little bit of a funny story. We went, uh, we're camping right now. Again, this is another R-Pod session, yeah. right? This is, what, this is what we do while we're camping. <laughs> right, right. So once again, the disclaimer that there may be some noise of other campers and vehicles driving by and whatever else. Um, but uh, we got up here on a Thursday night and didn't really realize that there was no service of any, any kind. kind. I mean, like not even a dead blip. as dead can be. Yeah. Not even like a an old, you know, one G bar. <laughs> you know? <laughs> and so um, the next morning we decide to. Well, the next afternoon, really, yeah. after we recorded the first episode. Uh, yeah. We decided to drive into town, and we had to pick something up, like some more ice or something, anyway. And uh, and we would just, you know. Well, we started thinking we should probably let Sid know we won't be, you know, answering yeah. her texts or anything because we oh can't. Oh my god, she had pulled together the cavalry. She was, <laughs> she was so freaking freaked out. out. She's so used to us uh, letting her know, "Hey, we got here. Send us a picture of our camp yeah. spot or something like that." And <laughs> and. We call her, and, and she immediately bursts into tears. I probably shouldn't be telling this. I, I mean, I guess it's okay. No, she was genuinely worried yeah. because we, this is something we always do. We always let her know. Yeah. She's like, I know you're okay, but... <laughs> <laughs> and she called She called friends of ours. They uh, We were getting multiple messages from... Kaylee was sending us messages, all kinds of... It was, I thought it was so sweet, though, because she called <clears throat> Ursula. Yeah. Who was in, I think she's in Seattle at the time. Yeah. And so then I, my phone goes back into reception. I've got text from Ursula, from her sister, <laughs> Pam. And I'm like, are you guys okay? Where are you? They were on the verge they of were calling, calling camp- every campground camp in the area because we forgot to even say which campground we were going to. Now, keep in mind, these are not our little kids, little kids that we just abandoned. <laughs> these are our adult Children. <laughs> and uh, I told Ursula, I said, I guess we can't ever run away. She's like, nope. <laughs> so, oh, so funny, not funny. Funny, not funny, but it has been, it's actually been really good to be without service for a while. I think um, for a lot of reasons, but yeah. it's been interesting to watch this whole campground knowing that nobody has service. Yeah. People are out playing. They're doing different things than I've seen in the campgrounds where we've had right. cell service. So right. it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's good been, to see. Yeah, it is good to see. For sure. For sure. Um, and and people actually like saying hi to each other and, you know, mm-hmm. and all that. And it's like you, you kind of... Now, as we've been sitting, you've been watching... Some large groups <laughs> forming, and oh, was, we're gonna talk was, about that in a second too. But okay. um, and people without masks on and all that kind of stuff. And so there's always that little bit of it too, of like you know, oh, come people on, guys, kind of forget we're in a pandemic. Yeah, when we're out here camping. Yeah. So I I think it probably brings a level of stress relief that we're all living in this low lying stress of the pandemic. And yeah, um, you come out here and it's like people just forget about it for a little yeah. while and. Yeah. There might be some relief in that. But yesterday. Yes, yesterday. <laughs> okay. So it's so funny because at like, so you have to be out of the campground by like what? one o'clock, I think. And then new people can come in at like two is when they start letting the new people come in for the reservations. Right. And so at two o'clock, there was just a string of trailers coming in. And we're sitting under a shady tree in our camp chairs, having a drink. Oh my God. The shit show of people trying to back trailers and pull this one guy in his motorhome, like runs over a post in the can, like snaps it off. And then he goes over to it and he just kind of pushes it up and taps it on top and walks away. (laughs) All of those kinds of things where it's like, it's just so funny. It was, it was uh, the guy so was, entertaining. The guy who was, uh, he backed in his trailer, left it hitched, the car running, and starts hooking all his stuff yeah. up, like his okay, sewer so he and is, everything. He is blocking the roadway like three quarters of the way. So right. people no, people uh, are going around him by pulling off on the grass and going around him, right? Have, can't even, 
and his his truck is hooked up, and he's hooking up his hoses and his power and his, and his sewer. Plugging in his outdoor fridge. Yeah, and he's like bringing he's, his accessories out, yeah. and his truck is sitting there connected to the camper running. <laughs> I'm like, bro, just get out of the way. <laughs> Our anxiety level started going <laughs> Well, we were laughing a lot. We were laughing yes, a lot. Yes, yeah, it was but very funny. It was, uh, yeah, it, was it was comical. Quite the people watching yes, experience. It was. So. Yeah. So anyway, that's that's the fun of camping yeah. for us. You know, because of course you... we're old pros and we just whip right into our spots and get all put together and all that. You know, so we know what's up. Yeah, right. All what? How many times have we done this? <laughs> <laughs> um, what are you drinking? Oh, yeah. So we're going a little easy this morning. <laughs> it's been a, a long three days of yeah. camping. And, <laughs> and uh, this morning we're, we're, we're heading back, you know, this yeah. afternoon. And, and so we decided we'd take it easy this morning. So we have now most everyone is is familiar with Kahlua. And so we have a, a Kahlua like coffee liqueur. Just in our coffee, in our morning coffee. Mm-hmm. Again, the coffee that you were raving about that I roast. Hmm, I'll take all that. <laughs> um, but, uh, but anyway, so this is kind of fun, though. This is a product that, uh, or this is a, um, a, a brand, I don't know, a brand that, uh, that I found that I have started buying instead of Kahlua. Because Kahlua is like 18 bucks a bottle. This is literally like 6 bucks a bottle. Huh. And so I thought it would taste like shit, and it tastes exactly the same. <laughs> it has the exact same makeup and all that kind of stuff. This is a Cafe Dolce. Mm. Yes. And it's imported. That's very important for you to understand that it's imported, and it's a product of Mexico. Hmm. But right on the back here, it shows you that it's bottled in Louisville, Kentucky. <laughs> So, you know, maybe they maybe they make it somewhere and ship it over in drums or something. <laughs> you know? They they make it in Mexico and ship it here in drums and then they, you know, then they just pour it in bottles in Louisville. I just thought that was kind of funny. Yeah. So, <laughs> but if you're uh, you know, I just found it in the grocery store and it's uh yeah, it's good stuff. So, okay. we're always doing our little plug. Always doing our little plug, hoping to pick up sponsors. Yeah. Mm. That's probably not going to happen. No. By the Cafe Dolce people. <laughs> anyway. Um, okay. You are non-responsive on this. I'm like, <laughs> what, what the hell? What just happened? You're just sitting there just groaning. I don't know what to. <laughs> yeah. I'm just. I, yeah. I, I'm not. I'm not a fan of things in my coffee. Yes. So okay. it's a stretch Got it. for me. Got it. Um, but. Uh, Did you put any in? No. Oh. Are you going to? No. Because <laughs> I... You don't even want to taste it? Well, I've had it before. It just makes it too sweet for me. Okay, but I just have... Just okay, taste mine. Yours. Yeah. It's just a little... Yeah, not my thing. It's not bad. <laughs> it's not like the bourbon yesterday where there's a face that goes with it. But... Um, yeah, but, but your just... lack of enthusiasm is almost as good as the bourbon face. I mean, it was just I just like black. my black coffee. Yeah. So uh, anybody out there listening to this, uh, don't bother to buy this fucking drink, by the way, because, you know, Jess gave it such a glowing blue. Oh, no, review. it's fine for you if you like that. <laughs> I don't really like anything in my coffee. Yes. So I, I don't um, usually either. Except but you for like, like this one. When I'm camping or on a... Sunday morning or something like that. Yeah. Every once in a while. Just every once in a while. I just kind of like it. Yeah. So I, what I really like it for is like, is when I make like my espresso martinis. Yeah. Those are that's, so good. I mean, good. that's, that's really why I have it around is so that, you know, when we do yeah, those. Yeah. I do like that. I haven't done one of those in a while. We should do that on the next one. Yeah. We totally could. We totally could. Oh, those are so good. Yeah. 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 It would have been, again, again, the, uh, <laughs> Set up here in the camper, we don't have like all of our mixers and all that. We don't. Mm-mm. We didn't. We don't come with a full bar. We're not like we're not those people. No, we so, just come with the basics. With the basics, gin, right. tonic, wine, beer. <laughs> yes, yeah. The and basics that, and bourbon. Well, yeah, and bourbon and, and cafe dolce. Apparently, okay. So our cupboard's <laughs> getting a little bigger as we talk. <laughs> right. And our bag of limes. 
and our multiple bottles of tonic. Oh, I got to take them off from up there so they don't fall that's when right. we drive. That's right. That's right. Let's get on with okay, something. Okay. How about, talk about that? something that's actually interesting? Maybe. I don't know. The way this I didn't know this would going. be so boring for you. <laughs> it's not boring. I just, I was listening to you talk about your Dolce. <laughs> I'm completely disinterested. I'm like, oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> oh Jesus. Okay. All right. So let's uh <laughs> we we were talking this morning um over our cinnamon roll breakfast that yeah. we have while we're camping. Um and we were we were kind of talking about something that we think would be um that would be good to talk about. Um, well, you kind of we we went into uh Republic yesterday to get some more ice and um, Republic Washington. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, we, uh, of course, we checked, you know, well, our phones. You just, our, we had you're service, in service there, so, so you get paid. We were checking yeah. all that, and um, and you've just had some interesting things going on on your on your Facebook feed. Yeah, I mean, not to dive in too deep because I don't want to get into the issue. It's more we what we want to talk about is yeah, kind of the, but it, it sparked a con- the thought around yeah, the issue. Conversation. Yeah, the yeah, um, but. Yeah, basically, I mean, all the stuff going on in Portland, you know, with the the federal um, law enforcement officers there, they were pulled out, and there was an article about how the, I mean, it was actually quiet that night. There was no tear gas, there was no violence mm-hmm. recorded at all, and I thought that's very interesting. You know, feds pull out and everything goes quiet. You know? Right. <laughs> so I just posted that, and I and I said, well, this is telling. You know, this is yeah. this is interesting. And so somebody that uh, is a uh, is a close friend of ours from a long, long way back, clear back when you were in high school. Oh, yeah. um, I'm surprised you said close friend because we actually haven't been in contact for a very yeah, long but time. I mean he's like family, so I mean it's it, you know I would I mean he's been around that long. Well, it's like I, you just yeah, yeah I we mean, our been kids, in, our oldest, were born with no, him. no, 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 no. I'm not. T- I'm talking about I'm talking about the oh, first post. The first post. Yes. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. He's like family. Uh, okay. Okay. Yes, um, yes. So he made some he he made some comments on it, and and it was just kind of a little bit of back and forth between he and I. Very, I mean, all very civil, and but yeah, just yeah, kind yeah. of talking about some of the points. And then I get another comment from somebody um, from when Way we were back, yeah. first married. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know, and, and Kaylee was just a little baby, and right. And uh, and he comments like. Man, get your blinders off, and I don't know what's wrong with you, and what went wrong. You know, we go way back, you know, and and I'm sitting, I I kind of look at you, and I'm like, huh. yeah, yeah, I mean, we haven't talked in twenty years, you know, yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, and you're, and you're surprised that I might think, think a little differently, you know, and so yeah. no, it actually kind of sat with us for a while. Um, not so much on a, a personal level with him. No, it didn't offend me. No, 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 no. And but it was um it was this idea that prompted in both our thinking for the, the rest of the day that why would somebody be so um surprised yeah that we think a certain way have, do we really think that different than we used to? And what did we think then? Like, yeah. it, it really kind of sparked this whole, uh, how much have we actually changed? Yeah, yeah. Um, and and in part of that, too, it was like, you know, yeah, we did really used to think a certain way. And, I mean, a drastically different way. Like, I was, I was kind of recounting it mm-hmm. this morning with you. It's like... Yeah. We used to be very staunch right wing right wing Republicans. Right. Conservatives. Uh conservative, possibly even fundamentalist evangelical Christians. Right. Um, with all the trappings that goes with that. Right. I mean that that used to yeah, be Yeah, and we've talked about some of that on the, the religious yeah. end of things. Um I think right now it's creating more conversation because I think all of the things that a person believes is filtering into political issues, uh, racism, well, all of that. You stuff. can't and separate your beliefs out. You can't. You you can't no. have a well, this guess, belief system sits in this bucket, and this belief system sits in this bucket, and they don't. They don't cross. There's no crossover between them. Yeah. I mean, it, everything rolls together at, at at some point. It 
But it, it makes up the entirety of our belief system that ultimately influences how we see the world and how we engage in the world. And, um, and that's something that, you know, like, you know, in, in my friend's comment, because I would, I would definitely still consider him a friend, even though we haven't talked in 20 years. Right. It was this, it was more of a thing for me. And I even responded back to him. I just said, I was like, yeah, a lot can happen in 20 years of no contact, you know? And I said, by the way, would love to catch up sometime if you're up for it, you know? <laughs> so, um, if, if you want to talk, let's talk, you know? I mean, you know, it, it, otherwise it's just trolling, right? <laughs> so, right. um, and, and then but, you went out of service, so you don't know. Yeah, I have no idea what he said. <laughs> yeah, well, I'll find out later today. Like, okay, yeah. here you go, and now I'm leaving. I can't give anybody any resolution to that story. No. There may be nothing, or it may have just, just fucking blown up. I know, who knows what we're coming back to, right? <laughs> so, anyway. Um, but the the real idea that, yeah, you know, we we very much have changed. And I think that the... Um, I think that one of the important pieces of that is that we, at some point, became intentional in our pursuit of change. There was some things that happened for a while, and this is really what we, what we wanted to talk about this morning, yeah. um, is what that process kind of looked like a little bit. We've talked a lot about how things have changed and how our thinking has changed, but we haven't really talked about the process of that much. Um, but that there were some things that were almost kind of forced upon us. Um, what do you mean by that? Well, like I say, when you, when your eyes become open to something, you can't unsee it. Right, right. Okay. So there were some things that just kind of got shoved in our faces, and we were like, we can't unsee that. I can't keep pretending yeah. like, I, like I don't know that exists. Right. Um, th that began in the religious sphere for us first. Right. Because I think... For many, many, many people, not everyone, but for many people, I think the religious fear, the religious sphere, <laughs> um, or or the religious fear that cultivates a religious sphere, we could mm. say that, see? Um, <laughs> right. I think that, that that oftentimes lays the groundwork early on, like from the time that we're growing up and, and young kids in our homes. Um, it sets the groundwork for every other belief system that we engage in, in life. Until at some point in time, we, you know, some kind of merge away from that, right? Others go more headlong into it. Um, and, and then it becomes more of the, um, you know, the extremist kind of things, I think, is that when, when people like dive even further, into mm -hmm. those things. Is that, would you say that's accurate or? Yeah. Um, I think that we, when you, you can't unsee what you've seen when you hit one of those moments and in a, in an issue or in a, right. in something, it doesn't have to be the whole thing all at once. It can be one small area. Um, for us being that it was in the religious end of our life, I think, um, we had to, uh, so I think we've talked about this before where, um, m for me, I'll speak for myself, but I think it's true for you too, that we saw the world through the lens of our faith, through the lens. Correct. Uh, so everything, our worldview was based on what we understood. About, everything else came back to that. Right. So then when you have these moments where you see outside of that lens for just a brief second even, you start to go, wait, which, which way do I view the world, right? right. Um, and we kept, for a long time, I think we kept trying to correct that worldview by, by making sure that we had an explanation from the faith aspect. Right. So we were... Uh, you know, typical things like uh, whether you're finding uh, scripture or theology to support your worldview or your um, 
saying those are things that we won't understand in this day and age. We will have to wait until eternity to understand those things. Like, right. like right. we found ways around it for a long time. But then, but like you said, there are things that happen in life that force you to see something you haven't seen yet. And it forces that worldview um, to maybe be seen through a different lens. Um, does that make one of the lenses wrong? I don't think so. I think it's a different lens. Um, but that's been, I think it's, that's been a good descriptor of what our process has been, has been seeing um, life, seeing the world through many lenses. Yes. And um, allowing ourselves the freedom and the space to grow with that rather than to ignore that that lens might even exist. Well, because Does that we, make sense? Yeah, we, we get things shoved in front of our face all the time. Um, I, I would call those opportunities. Um, and what you choose to do with that new view, mm-hmm. with, that, with that new sight, with that new lens... That's where everything can, mm-hmm. can, well, that's where everything changes, period. Right. If, if you choose to ignore that you've just seen that and pretend like you haven't seen it or really try to gaslight yourself into believing that yeah. you have, that you, you didn't see that in reality, that you, yeah. that, that it was something else other than what you know you saw, right? Mm-hmm. That takes you deeper in which is a change from your current perspective mm-hmm. because you are, you're going deeper in and you are embracing a willful ignorance at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, now, if you see that lens and you say, I can't ignore this. I can't unsee what I've seen. I, I need to accept it as reality. That takes you on another change path where more than likely you will start the snowball effect of seeing more and more and more things because broken systems of opinion, broken systems of belief are houses of cards. They, they, they don't stand very well um, when one piece gets pulled out they're they're yeah. kind of they're reliant upon each other mm-hmm. a bit um whereas um unfiltered truth just reality mm-hmm. stands on its own it's it's not propped up by anything else um and so you can have now there's interconnectedness in reality but it's not de- it's not dependent on is, is that Am I saying that in a way that's, in other words, if, if, if I don't understand one part of interconnected reality, it doesn't, I can still understand another part of interconnected reality. Whereas, Give me an example. Cause I'm, I'm not sure if I'm tracking with you exactly. Yeah. Give me an example. Okay. So, um, let's talk about, let's, let's talk about current events right now. Um, Let's talk about the Black Lives Matter movement. Okay. And so um, there was a point in time when, and this is, I can't believe I'm going to say this out loud, but this is literally the way that I, I used to believe. And, um, and I know people today that do believe this way. That crime is, I mean, there's a lot more black people in prison because they do a lot more crime. Because they glorify, you know, gang community. They glorify, you know, violent rap music. And, and you know, and they, uh, you know, you have the absentee fathers and all that kind of stuff. And, and you know, in their inner cities. And, and so, yeah, there's more crime or there's more, uh, there's more imprisonment in the black community. They, they do most of the crime. Okay. Now. If you just tuned in at that moment right there, that is not what I believe today. <laughs> um, I, I used to believe that, though. I'm, I'm ashamed you, that I believed yeah, it, but I yeah. used, I, I genuinely used to believe that, mm-hmm. that our justice system was fine. It just so happened that, that it, they were 
engaging with the justice system more because of their life choices. Um, now, that that is a house of cards to come to that belief system because as soon as somebody comes in and they challenge the notion that black people are more um, are more prone to being criminals, okay, and they and they can show a valid argument for that, saying no, that's actually not the case. They're not more prone to violent crime. Well, then that system of belief begins to crumble. Mm -hmm. That system of belief is predicated on the fact that black people are more prone to crime. Um, if uh, if you say that uh, that black people are more prone to to gang violence, and somebody comes in and says, what you're actually seeing is an inner city problem, where there is a higher concentration of of blacks, but the problem is an inner city problem. The problem is not a black problem. Mm -hmm. Okay, so you see the same kinds of uh, increases in, in, you know, gang violence when you look at, like, inner-city Latino communities, or you look at inner-city Asian communities, or when you when you look at whites in inner cities, okay? Um, so it, it's an inner city, it's connected to, to being in, like, these concentrated community environments, everybody's stacked up on one another, more so than it is about the color of your skin. Well, that takes one of the cards out, and the house of cards can't stand, anymore mm -hmm. because it begin because that idea is predicated on that um, that there's something inherent within the black community that is more prone towards gang violence right so what you're saying is that based on the belief that I have of a set of given circumstances we could even say facts because there's some that sit within that scenario that were facts the right. numbers of um, in prison would be the fact that you're basing that on, right? Right. So you're saying that given a set of facts, we have a conclusion that we come to, therefore a belief that we come to, um, all based on one vantage point. Yes. And by allowing a different vantage point, um, this, this other truth we essentially can break down the original vantage point. We can, or, or break down the belief that comes from that right. vantage point. And so what I would call broken systems of thinking, um, whether that's opinions or, or whatever. Yeah, just broken systems of thinking are predicated on one vantage point's point of view. Okay. Um, so for us... So if, if you, you... Yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, for so for us, for the story of us, we're, we're coming saying that we had this vantage point that was all based on on one one viewpoint we saw the rest of the world that way and as we started to take in other vantage points these other lenses um the cards start getting pulled and we can't sustain that prior belief or understanding or worldview whatever I can't it might keep be. believing this other thing if this thing over here is suspect right makes it then a, a faulty belief system. If, if belief systems are, are dependent reliant on only and dependent one upon, point. yeah, or even dependent upon other things being true. So a, another way of, of looking at it is just doing like a, a pure statistical analysis 
of um, of black people, let's say. And so doing a, a pure statistical analysis of black people. Now I haven't done this, so I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm definitely gonna go into the the hypotheticals here, the probabilities, okay? Then if you if you did a statistical analysis of all black people in the United States, um, then and and I, I think that number sits around um, 50 million or something like that, 60 million. So anyway, I could be wrong on that. Um, and you were to say um, how many black people are um, uh, are in currently involved in gangs, right? Okay. Um, and then you would say how many black people um, currently have a, and this would be a little bit more subjective, but healthy family s- structure. A little more subjective because you have to take in there that a healthy family structure can exist with only one parent to, you know, I mean, it's just, so you'd have to kind of define some of those things, but let's just say, okay. Um, how many of those uh, black people um, are uh, employed? Because that's another big thing is that there's, there's lots of um, systems abuse in the black community. That's another thought process that exists. Lots of welfare, lots of that kind of thing. Okay. Okay. Let's just take those three things. And, and you just do a pure statistical analysis on those things. Then that will give you a picture of what is true in the black community. But it's not, it's not taking that and then going into the inner city and saying how many gang members are black, right? That going into the inner city and saying how many gang members are black as opposed to how many gang members are white is a, is a faulty perspective because there's, a, there's higher concentrations of, of black people in those uh, inner city kinds of environments. And there are white people generally. And so, so when you, when you look and go into the inner city and say, how many of the gang members are black as opposed to how many are white, then you're going to say, see, blacks have a problem, but there's also way more black people there, period. Mm -hmm. As opposed to if you take the full concentration of population across the country and say, how many are involved in gangs, that number is going to shrink drastically right Mm -hmm. um and so you get a much better when you say black people are more prone towards gang violence but you but you use one set of statistical analysis to identify that from going into a concentrated environment as opposed to looking at black people as a whole which is the basis of your statement then that is um that is one way to to back up your lens point of view, right? If I want to believe that black people are more prone to gang violence, then I will, I will perform the kinds of statistical analysis that will, that will show me that that's, that that is true. But that doesn't stand when I go to a broader study, Mm -hmm. as opposed to when I go to a broader study, I'm going to find out all kinds of things that don't necessarily have to rely upon one another. I'm going to find out how many black people actually are involved in gangs. I'm going to find out how many people black people are actually uh, part of healthy family structures. I'm going to find out how many black people actually are employed um, and, and not, you know, using any kind of, of welfare or anything like that. I'm going, to, I'm going to find those things, and those are independent truths from one another. Those things can exist on their own. They, they don't rely upon another... Um, something else to to show that that is true they just stand all by themselves of course then you can go in you can do deeper studies of the interconnectedness and that's where i say that everything is is that all truth is connected even though it's not reliant upon one another and you will and you will find other connected factors in there some things that may elevate one thing some things that may take another Mm -hmm. down but what it is is and this is a long way of getting to the point. I know it is. But what it is is it's it's coming in with a perspective of saying I want to know how things actually are. 
I'm not coming in saying, I think this is how they are, and I want to find out if I'm right. Or I think this is how they are, and I want to prove that I'm right. I want to come in, and I want to see how things are, period. So I go in, and we call this with an open mind, to be able to just to be able to just take in whatever truth I find. That is the, I believe, the fundamental difference between who we were at one mm-hmm. point in time and who we are today. Well, because I know for me, uh, evangelical Christianity does not embrace an open mind. It, it embraces a narrowed uh, study and detail of what this given set of theologies are. And bolstered by those who whom have already interpreted that and so you should seek out their opinions mm-hmm. and not just so, not just look at it yourself. So I would curious. say it, just to uh-huh. to put a, a, a whatever on that. <laughs> I lost my word. <laughs> um, uh, an exclamation point on that statement. I would say that that is that is generally true for, I would say, the vast majority of evangelicalism. I do believe there are free-thinking uh, Christians out there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but I would say, yes, it's, it, it's, it's inherent in the system right. of evangelicalism. It might even be inherent in the system of religion, period, because we, you tend to, when you take on any type of religion as your basis of belief, it is your basis of worldview. So we, every... Every religion has to take this into right. account. And um, so I'm curious for you, though, what were some of the, maybe they were questions, maybe they were little thoughts that just sat there and kind of rumored in your brain going, I need to resolve this, I need to resolve this, I need, you know, I can't seem to resolve that, that, for, that caused a growth process for you. Yeah. Like, was there something that somebody always said to you? Um, like one of them for me would be, um, but some of the nicest, kindest, most loving people I know are not Christians. How is that okay, possible? So you, I'll answer the question. Okay. You talk about that first because that's a huge deal. Well, it is. That had a huge effect on you. Well, because the, the primary belief is that God is love, right? Mm-hmm. Is love. These are the definition of love. So therefore... To fully encapsulate love, to be someone who loves as God loves, we have to know God, right? I mean, this is just a, you know, how how we we love right. more, we love better when we love God, right? Right. Um. So, my one of the things that I kept coming up against throughout my entire life since I was a kid, um, I lived primarily in like a a two type uh, community neighborhood um highly hispanic community and a highly lds community so i was sort of this person on my street or my our family was this family on the street that didn't fit either one of those um right. uh scenarios right so um but in the process of developing my own faith system under christianity um some of the kindest people I knew in my life were LDS. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the the most how uh, most um, inviting um, like neighborly people I knew were Hispanic in my neighborhood. You know, and and let's be clear about something really quick. In 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 our context, once upon a time, right? LDS were going to hell. Absolutely. Yeah. So that's why you're. <laughs> I mean, that's why you're calling them out. I, I mean, I'm, they, I'm saying that <laughs> that it was such a different system of faith. Hispanics in my neighborhood had such a different system of culture. Right. And here we were, kind of in in between both of those, and going, but outside of my worldview of Christianity, let's just say white Christianity. Right. I am experiencing things that I've, uh, I've kind of been told. I should experience within the Christian faith. Correct. Love, 
um, all of all of these things. Why are these things present right. outside? And that's a very childlike experience, what yeah. I just described, because yeah. I was a child when that was happening. Yeah. But I remember kind of having this this uh, process inside of me going, but I'm but they're really kind, but they're really this. And then right. then as I grew older, I I found that my experience with the world was it broadened to international, you know, other countries. Right. But it also broadened um, to other states. So it wasn't just in one location in Phoenix. It, it where all of a sudden I find out that wow, there are there are a lot of people who who live the language that I'm speaking and yet don't uh, don't buy into the faith system right. that I buy into. So that was one of those questions that just always followed me throughout my whole life. If God is love and the people who love God, in my case growing up Christians, then how do other people actually, or how are they actually capable of love if they don't know God? So this right. was one of those that I had to keep wrestling with and saying either I, I had to morph some kind of answer or I had that's, to change something about what I believe. That's a house of cards right. kind of um, belief system, though, because... If you, if you remove that core belief, mm -hmm. right, um, that no one is good outside of their um, their engagement with God, and so if somebody is is not engaging with God, then they cannot be good. But yet you see them; everything everything appears so good, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know. It, you pull that house of cards out; other things start to fall with it. Then. Mm -hmm. So what what was the question for you? You know, this was this was my question. What was the question for you that followed you, that nagged at you, that caused you to continually have to go back to does this work? And it doesn't have to be about faith. It could be socially. It yeah, be but it was faith because that was there there were two distinct things. Um Three distinct things. <laughs> um, the first one was when I was staying with Jimmy. Um, you know, in Utah, yeah. fresh out of high school, fresh out of YWAM DTS, before we were married, before we were dating. <laughs> <laughs> um, and Jimmy would just ask me when I would make these statements of about. Christianity or about belief mm -hmm. system or whatever. And he'd be like, who says that? Hmm. You know, where, why do you think that? Okay. That was the first time when somebody challenged my belief system that said, you might have come up with that on your own or from a faulty position. Mm -hmm. You should look into that and see if that's, if that's really the way things are. That sent me on this whole thing. Right. Now, it took me deeper in the rabbit hole to begin with, but I ultimately believe it's what pulled me and had a part of pulling yeah. us completely out of it. Okay? Mm -hmm. So that was the first thing. The second thing was at the height of our fundamentalism was seeing that pastor <laughs> and seeing who how despicably he was treating people and was acting towards us and lying mm -hmm. and all these kinds of yeah. things. And you and I saying to each other, if that's where this belief system is taking us, we're out. Right. We want off this train. Right. That, that, that's nowhere good. Right. That, that does not align with anything we've been told is good. Right. right? Um, and I would say the third thing, and it was, you know, maybe within a, you know, a year and a half or two years after that realization mm -hmm. with him was when um, when Mike gave me that book and I was reading it right. because, and, and this was somebody that Christians weren't supposed to listen to. He was a <laughs> wolf in sheep's clothing. He Not was, Mike, the author of the book. It, correct, yeah. Okay, I just want to make um, sure. <laughs> yes, yeah. Well, I didn't say which Mike, so nobody's going to know. <laughs> anyway, um, but... Uh, um, and he was like, just, just do me a favor, just read it and let's talk about it. You know? And I'm like, Whoa, mm -hmm. okay. And it was coming into the room that day and shaking the book at you, you saying it's that bad. And I'm like, no, 
I can't find anything wrong with it. That yeah. was that. That was when everything. I mean, the House of Cards came down. Yeah. Like I, I was like, I can't sustain. I can't sustain this belief system anymore. When the fundamentals of what of how I arrived at this belief system are proving to be questionable at best, dark at worst, like, like darkly manipulative, you know, Mm -hmm. like there was an agenda to try Mm -hmm. to convince people to think a certain way in order to control them, in order to control power outcomes in order, all those kinds of things. Um, Well, and I think most recently, as we've looked into the issue of race, we've had to peel another layer off of this. Right. Um, in seeing how patriarchal, how um, anti-women um, and uh, and pro-white, uh, much not all much of Christianity, our growing up Christianity, right. had encased <clears throat> particularly and the, the evangelical uh, Christianity, right? Yeah, particularly. And and I'm not I'm not encasing every facet of that in there. I I will speak only to our experiences with the Christian faith and what we grew up with. Now, um, some of the churches that we participated in as adults, I don't feel fit that category, um, fit that, uh, that, that description. Um, but it, I, I do think that it's when you are really young and those ideas of how you see the world. And for me, it was seeing the world through this fundamentalist Christianity that it takes a lot of work to be able to see through another lens, um, including issues of race, including issues of, um, for me, and I've talked about this before, even seeing myself as, an, uh, as a woman as an equal to a man. So um, all of those things start to emerge out. If we go back to what we started this conversation with, the question on the table was what what are catalysts to um, growth? Should we, after 20 years, still look like we did 20 years ago? Or should there be some sort of evolution and growth um, in us? Um, I almost think that the statement that was made on your Facebook um, post was actually a compliment because it says we are not that that what we used to be you know we're not we don't think like that anymore yeah um and I as I dive deeper into my core values and we talked about this on a you know one of the other episodes that justice sits there very strongly for me it is the peace that keeps me connected to who Jesus is. It's the part that keeps me connected to um, a belief in who Jesus was. Um, there's a lot of things I've let go all the way around that, right. but this issue of justice keeps me connected there. Um, and so when I see, I tend to think I see the world through the lens of justice. Um, I know that's not the case for everybody. Other people see it through a different core value um but when i look at it from that perspective i have to evolve from that fundamentalist christian worldview that i had growing up right because it can't justice can't actually exist with that belief system anymore yeah you know with what you're saying makes me think of a um even back in well no we were we were beyond our fundamental. We were in our, our full transition, theologically at least in our in our faith. When we had a when I did a a, a special teaching thing for our youth group, um, and I think it's actually um, I think it was a powerful lesson to them. I hope it was. I hope it it resonated with them, um, and I hope it continues to today. But it was this idea that our current understanding of things limits our understanding of the whole. Okay. So I, I showed this video of this group of people 
I don't know if they were missionaries or just filmographers or whatever, going into this tribe, I believe it was in the Amazon, that's this tribe that had not had much, little to no human contact prior to them. And while they were there, the tribe was, I mean, just absolutely amazed at the color of their skin, you know, was absolutely amazed that they could flick a lighter and fire, fire would appear, yeah. you know, um, was absolutely amazed at, I believe they had a digital camera, so they would, they would take a picture and then they would show them the picture on their screen, you know, um, things like that. And, and, you know, and I, I asked the youth group kids, I'm like, I'm like, so what is remarkable about anything they're doing? And they're like, absolutely nothing. Why is this tribe so blown away by all this then? Well, because they never seen anything like that before. Hmm. Okay. Think now, if they pulled out, they started pulling out iPods and submachine guns and, you know, I mean, things like this, right? A microwave. Um, microwaves. <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> I, I put it in, no. the food is hot, you know. Yeah. It, things like that, right? How much more would it blow their mind? And then I did this magic show for them. And, you know, the first thing I do is I, I pull out a helium balloon and I'm like, ooh, ooh I can make it levitate in the air, you know. <laughs> and then I had a piece of tape on the balloon and I took a needle and I stuck it in the balloon to the piece of tape and the balloon didn't pop, you know, cause obviously the tape holds it together. Right. For those of you who are a little science illiterate. All right. <laughs> oh <my gosh. laughs> um, Just Google it. And then I struck a match. Ooh, I made fire, you know, and you know, and I did some, I did some like intentionally silly, silly things, things like yeah. that. And I said, okay, now imagine now, we're sitting in this very same place. Of course, there's no building here or anything else. It's 500 years ago now. And I just did this same thing. And they're like, you burned me at the stake for being a, a witch, right? Right. <laughs> you know? right. Um, because no, you don't... No, they probably wouldn't have because you're a man, so you'd probably be like Merlin. And But if I had <laughs> right. done it, yeah, I would have been that, you didn't burn. She's a witch. <laughs> She's a witch. <laughs> I think the same is true for us in so many areas of our life today. That if we don't embrace and accept, wholeheartedly accept, that we have limited vision. And we can only know what we know. And there are things to be known that will blow our mind at some point in time. But... Um, but we just simply don't know them at this time, we will stay the same for 20 years. Mm. We will stay the same for 50 years. And we know people that exist like that. Yeah. Stuck in their ways. And what happens with people like that, generally... Again, I don't I don't want to paint with too broad of a brush here, but generally they become less accepting, more rigid, more angry, more confrontational as time goes on. They don't become more loving, more accepting, larger communities, um, happier, generally. Generally. There are exceptions to every rule. And I would say there is a fundamental truth there that should be witnessed. And we should explore the interconnectivity between that reality that one approach to life produces a certain type of human generally, whereas another approach to life generally does not. Um, and then we should say, well, what type of human do I want to be? want to be one who is growing? Do I want to be one who is more accepting, more loving? Or do I want to be one who knows what I know, goddammit, and don't you try to you know, bring in your evil other thoughts and, you know, I'll, I'll die on this pedestal, right? Mm -hmm. um, what do we intend to be? Because we can become 
whatever we intend to be. Mm -hmm. I remember Um, Brian used to say that. Yeah. That the reason why there's uh, bitter, snarky people that are sitting in the church pews for, you know, 70 years of their life how can they still be that at the, you know, 70 years later? And it's because they never intended to be anything other than that. And, um, that's always been a powerful statement to me to, you know, what do I intend to be? Because if I intend to be judgmental, well, that's exactly what I'm going to be. Right. But also this is the, and this is the slide. If you don't intend to be less judgmental, you will, you will be, be judgmental. judgmental, right? So there are yeah, there are two there are two things pulling us into the darkness for the one that is that is takes work to get us in to move us into the light, right? And and I would I would say that that the one move you know the one power to move us into the light is absolutely powerful and Mm -hmm. it is and it is within reach it's within our grasp um but simply not intending to do anything automatically is an intent to move more into darkness Mm -hmm. yeah um i was thinking about growth in general and that if we're not actively growing ourselves um there might that that this scenario you just proposed um, is exactly what would happen, but I thought about what other things grow. Like for me, I need a I need a picture yeah. in my head, and I was thinking about let's just say a flower, and it starts in the ground, it grows up towards the sun, it pops some leaves, eventually pops a flower, and then what does it do? Does it go? Does it unshrink itself? Like, or does it shrink itself and then take the leaves back and take the flowers back and then move back to the ground? No, it fully goes through that entire process of growth and dies, comes back to the ground and starts the process again. Right. And I thought that that is more the the natural inclination that I feel like I'm a part of right now. Yeah. Is that I will grow through an entire thought, through an entire opinion an entire belief uh, uh, whether it's peeling off a layer <laughs> of uh, ideology that I've had um, but I'll grow all the way through that process and then it's okay to let that die and let the next yeah, there's growth a, there's a death of that process, process. a death of that thought there's yeah. a yeah and and then let the next thing yeah. happen and but the idea that I just arrive and okay I've got all the information I know all the things right. and therefore I'm I'm done. I think is where we come up with um, political ideology of make America great again, right. keep America great. These, you know, we just saw these yeah. posted places recently, and um, and I and I think that when we're always trying to go back, we're trying to ungrow and get back into the soil, and and stay right rather right. than actually go forward and. Um, I want to be part of forward. I want to be part of more good in my life, more good thoughts, more um, love, more uh, people a part of the love that gets received. Right. Um, so I'm not really interested anymore in going back um, to what was. Um, I want to, if, if Jesus's message of justice and love and this idea of good news is actually all of that, then it has to continue to grow. It has to continue in a forward motion. Absolutely. Um, So uh, that's a process that I'm in, um, in growth. And if I have to keep peeling this onion, (laughs) you know, then I will keep peeling it. And tomorrow I may be wrong on something that I believe today. And that's, that is so okay. Yeah. Because um, I just I'm not interested in just landing somewhere anymore. I'm interested in growth. Yeah. So. Yeah. Fantastic. You're done talking, aren't you? Well, that's a good. I think that's a good spot to to end on because you're you're absolutely right. 
Um, and um, I, and I think that's why we wanted to have this conversation today. What we talked about is we, we want to challenge people to embrace growth, mm-hmm. um, to embrace uh, always looking for a better way to think about something. And being really okay with being wrong. Yeah. Like, if I'm wrong, then I can grow. Yeah. If I was wrong on something, it means I grew into something else. Yep. That's a good thing. It's yeah. okay to be wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So, anyway. Okay. This was the uh, this was the last of the R-Pod sessions for this trip. Yeah. So, future mm-hmm. episodes will be Less back in noisy. our podcasting studio. Our studio. Our studio. <laughs> <laughs> Where we known. somewhat control the sound because we still have Asher in the house. So, yes. it's not like it's soundproof. Yes. And Sydney playing TikTok videos. So. <laughs> <laughs> no, right now she's on uh, Harry Potter audiobooks. Oh, that's right. So, that's what we hear. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Constantly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. This is awesome. I love doing this with you. Enjoyed my weekend with you. Yeah, I love you.